It's an honor to introduce you to somebody who doesn't need to be introduced. Michael is from the ranks. He's uh, been a member here. He and his wife Stephanie are very faithful servants of God, serving this church and serving our Lord. Michael is the president of the Eisenhower Medical Center Foundation, which uh, helps us be confident that we can get excellent medical care here in this community. Over the years, wonderful service. A few years ago, Michael assuaged his passion to know God and his word better by enrolling at Fuller Seminary, where he is now a student in his spare time. And it's a great honor to introduce Michael Landis to you for our morning message. Michael. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for this opportunity. And I have to share something, and that is behind this pulpit, um, which is a little bit high, as my wife was um, doing the offertory and the worship before we did our tithes and offerings, this is how she looked. She, I, I can't even hold that. I can't hold it right now. She held it for five minutes. So God bless you, honey. Um, and also, she, I think, was part of the um, group that chose First Chronicles 29:14. What we've experienced in the first part of our worship service is First Chronicles 29:14. In fact, Tommy Gray could could have been King David. Let's read the prayer of David, who was king over all Israel, and he spoke these words in about 970s in the 970s before Christ. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. These are the words from a man whose heart we know the Lord loved. It's an expression, it was, it was really the outpouring expression from David of his gratitude, his, his, his sense that my God has been so generous. He, it, he was in awe of the abundance that God had gifted him and his people for giving him even the opportunity to give back to the giver, crediting the Lord at the end of that for the act of giving it. This verse represents really the foundation stone for stewardship in scripture. And it set, set the tone for stewardship, I would say, in Christian giving for centuries. According to the Expositor's Bible commentary, its basis is this, since our prosperity is his and comes from him, that's Psalm 24, one, and since we hold it only temporarily and in trust, that's 1 Chronicles 29, 15 and 16, it should therefore be used for him. That's the lessons of Acts. That's the lessons of our church. Last Sunday, Ryan Hartwick shared the spirit-filled heart of the early church believer, who a thousand years after this prayer expressed themselves similarly, similarly in Acts 2, 44 through 45. I quote, and 
all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their properties and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. That was their heart. This followed Pastor Sid's modern day analysis of the conflict surrounding Israel today, which is 3,000 years, by the way, since David prayed this prayer. David's Israel was the fulfillment of God's blessings and promises and covenants. Those were the covenants with Abraham. All the land owned by the sovereign God given to his chosen people through Abraham to Isaiah to Jacob and eventually to the people of Israel, the 12 tribes. These are the blessings which emanate from the very same God who David is praising, who the early church is glorifying, and who we honor this morning with our tithes and our offerings. We're doing today what we've been doing as a church for 75 years, and God willing, will continue to do for as long as we live. The power of his blessings are woven into our hearts through him. Through First Chronicles, though, all things come from you is where it started and was articulated by the Holy Spirit through David. Speaking of power, Dr. Ogilvie, Lloyd Ogilvie, former pastor of Hollywood Press and chaplain, former ch chaplain of the U.S. Senate, person that Doug Gerard has given me his daily devotion and I've become very influenced by. He said, there are three ways to live, to do our will with our power. Well, that's humanism or secularism or a, an ism that you can fill in the blank, blanks to do our will on Christ's power, he said, that's religion. Or number three, to do Christ's will with Christ's power. Now that's the abundant life, and that's what David was talking about. When David shared 1 Chronicles 29, 14 through 16, he was pouring out his heart in gratitude to his Yahweh, to the God of all abundance, the abundant life. And it came out and through Christ's power with David. David knew Christ. That's another sermon. The power of David, though, lay deep within his heart. And we're going to talk about that. See through the eyes of my heart, Lord. That, that God so loved not the power of outward material resources that David was now king over, but it was about the relationship that David had, and that it's about the relationship that we have with our true king. David's abundant life rested on his love for his Lord, so much so that he can't help but repeat himself in First Chronicles 29, 16. If you go there, he says, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house, meaning the temple, for your holy name. It's all from your hand. It's all yours. And then David returns to the heart in verse 17 of First Chronicles and says, Since I know, O oh my God, that you 
try my heart and delight in uprightness and in the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. First Chronicles is not only about God teaching us about why God loves David's heart, but also about teaching us about the Lord's own character, about our Father's heart, what he loves, what he loves to see in us, to give us insight and to give us lessons, to give us guides for how to give. Michael Wilcock in the Messages of Chronicles described the entire prayer of David here in 1 Chronicles as a precious thing of undimmed luster and undiminished value. And John MacArthur, who is an amazing apostle, if you will, and, and an amazing person who knows the really the Christ through the Holy Spirit, says of 1 Chronicles, he said, God's divine purposes for Israel, his bounty, his resources, his promises, covenants, are all played out on the stage of human history right here in Chronicles. First Chronicles is, is, is powerful. And yet I know you and I, we bypass Chronicles. In fact, we probably don't even know what it means. I mean, yeah, it's the Chronicles of events. It was actually a Chronicles that was written as um, after the Israelites had been exiled and then returned back and they needed to understand their history again. They were chronicled. You'll find that David in this, though, sets the tone by sharing about abundance. He has to, we have to be specific with ourselves. What do you mean by all? I now give my personal treasures, he says. He had collected treasures from the many tribes within Israel. And he says, and, and thereafter, he asked the leaders, which they did, the leaders of the families, I quote in verse 6, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and all the officials in charge, he asked. And the king says, King David says, they all gave willingly. And in verse 9, the people rejoiced. God uses this. He uses the life of David to be an example for each of us to be clear, crystal clear about where our hearts are and how and in what way we're expressing them to glorify him, to glorify us, somewhere in between, and to share what it's like when we miss the mark he used David's life to do that. We know. So, because I, I know I'm, I'm talking about this David who is so into the spirit, but what about the David and his weaknesses? One of them, impulsiveness. When he saw Bathsheba, a strange disconnect. I mean, how else can you describe this? This is the same person who just, who spoke of, on, in First Chronicles. By the way, it was, he spoke toward the end of his life in First Chronicles, but when he saw Bathsheba, this strange disconnect from God occurred. And David acted as though he was temporarily insane. I mean, how else can you describe this? 
he sent his loyal friend and commander Uriah. You know this. You know the story. It's in 1 Samuel, and he, was, he sent him to the front lines to be killed, which really amounted to murder. And then he proceeded to have an affair with Bathsheba. Those are two commandments he broke, probably within days of each other. And when confronted by Nathan, the prophet, David somehow was brought back. He kind of came out of this delirium. It's strange how Nathan brought David closer to the spirit-filled heart that he had had previous to this and after this, which is why in Psalm 51, if you really want to know, which according to MacArthur, again, it's one of those classic penitent psalms. It's why David says, and we can kind of see him just wrenching, bent over, saying, Lord, be gracious to me, O God. Blot out, wash me, wash me, cleanse me from my sin. And I know I was brought forth into iniquity and in, in, into sin the way my mother conceived me. But now, behold, Lord, I know you desire truth. I know you know the innermost being and the hidden part, meaning his heart. And I know you will make me know your wisdom again. Purify me, wash me, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I mean, this is a man that was in depression. As Pastor Sid said regarding this, he said, the deeper the love, the deeper the repentance. That's why the Lord spent as much time allowing us to get to know David, to express David, and actually um, we can see David's name in Chronicles, Kings, Psalms, Samuel, even the New Testament. Jesus Christ, Paul spoke of him. In fact, according to the Overview Bible, David is the most frequently mentioned human in the Old Testament and the second most frequently mentioned human in the New Testament next to Jesus Christ. Remember, God introduced us to David through the prophet Samuel. And it's worthy of going back there and seeing what God said before he found David through Samuel. Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. He's talking about generically. Don't look at people's appearance. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So when Samuel saw David, the Lord said to Samuel, this is he. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David, and from that day forward, he had the Spirit within him. The Apostle Paul himself, I mean, I call him a converted rabbi, maybe a messianic Jew, the first, used the story of David as a witness to Jews in Acts 13, 22 through 23. He, meaning God, testified, and he's speaking to Jews in a synagogue, and said, and this is God's words, I have found David, 
the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will, who will do all my will. Paul continues, from the descendants of this man, he's telling the Jews, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a savior in Jesus. It was David's obedience to fulfill the desire of God's heart rather than David's own heart, which resulted in abundance for this young nation of Israel. Let's go back to 1 Chronicles. We know that Israel's great prophets were called to keep Israel focused on God first and to maintain their dependence on their Father, their Lord, their Creator, their Yahweh. So it was only 500 years after David spoke these words in first, and that he spoke in first Chronicles that Israel's disobedience created the kind of situation where God exiled the Jews to, and Hebrews to around the world, but Babylon. And it was really a tragedy because this is what Chronicles was to do, was to give them hope of the history, to even use David as an example of the greatness on high, the greatness that they had been. I don't know if this sounds familiar today with countries, our country even. Let me ask, so on this subject of the heart, which is so connected to our giving, so connected to how we feel about giving, do we, do you have the heart of the First Chronicles Jew, the First Chronicles David? Do you have the heart of the, of the early church that Ryan Hartwig spoke of? Do you have the heart of the great for believer, the devoted believer, the Israel remnant that Pastor Sid spoke of. All three, all three are united. They're, they're all the same by their dependence on God, the Father. In fact, having spent the last weeks just reviewing and praying and I really believe that God is saying through these passages and especially in first chronicles that I am measuring your heart and my heart by the level of dependence that you have on me that's my that's my measurement that's my metric that's why this whole thing is about the heart. That's why we've been singing about the heart. That's why I get to talk about if you lose your heart, you lose your way. So for over 23 years, I've been blessed, as Sid said, to be part of the foundation at Eisenhower Medical Center. And in those years, we've raised over 1.3 billion in philanthropy. 
And I went back and I looked at the word philo. It's a Greek word that emanates from loving. It means tending to. And the noun means beloved or loved. The main ingredient, I think, common to almost all givers that I interact with is they have a spark inside them. They want to improve the world. They want to, they want to see change. And it's their way of sharing at their whatever level they are, their act of love. That's what philanthropy is. I used to say to even our staff that um, people give out of emotion, but they rationalize that giving through reason. I'd amend that, really, after this sermon, and what I've learned is people give out of their heart. They give out of their heart. I've been with some of the wealthiest people in the world and had our hospital be the recipient of their giving. And I'd have to say, even though many are not Christian or acting as Christians, that emotion that I see in them when they give emanates from their creator's love. I really believe the Lord placed that desire in them to give back to humanity, to help. It's really one of the things that is consistent in this country. We are a very, very giving people. And it's a great challenge, frankly, for all of us to recognize that the source of that prosperity and that abundance is not the self. The source is, and it always will be, our Father. The same creator who is our Savior is the creator that gave us this prosperity. And boy, can you imagine if people just in this country, not to even speak of the world, what they could do if they knew that for this world. So I just ask, what are you grateful for? Children, grandchildren, well, that's Psalm 123, uh, 127.3. It says, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. What about love? Are you, are you grateful for love, peace, joy? That's Galatians. It's a gift of the fruits of the Spirit. Are you grateful for family? 1 John 3.2. God gifted us to be all one family, including his children. For prosperity and abundance, we just saw. First Chronicles 29, all things come from him. How about for life eternal? Are you grateful for that? That's a free will gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6.23. We all need to ask, since God gave me all of these gifts, what should I return back to him? In what ways can I possibly honor him with the abundance he's entrusted me with. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. It's a challenge for me even as I write these and speak these words. But I challenge each of you to connect with God 
and your hearts through him. Let me pray. Lord, please allow each of us to give out of our grateful hearts, for you are a good God who gifted us with your only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave us your helper by the way of the Holy Spirit who can impact our heart, to take the baton from David 3,000 years ago and the torch of our early church apostles 2,000 years ago and believers. We are believers, Lord, and we want to build your kingdom. May it be so. May God bless each of us to be gracious and generous in our hearts. Thank you.